Hello, I'm Somia Aryan. I'm the founder of Fempeak, a women-led inclusive platform where visionary individuals come to gain live access to global leaders, learn about cutting-edge topics in macroeconomics and Web3, and stay ahead of the curve in the fast-paced world of business and technology. Today's interview is with Camila Russo, one of the most prolific voices in cryptocurrency. Camila started her career as a journalist at Bloomberg, and she's now leading The Defiant, a media company focused on decentralized finance. I'm a huge fan of Camila. She has such a calm voice and so much knowledge and wisdom. I really love this conversation, and I hope you do too. So I just purchased your NFT. And why don't we start by telling me a little bit about the story of that? What is what is that about? Why did you release it? And, and uh, when do you expect that the whole collection will be sold and, and finished so that I can decide whether we need to get this podcast out ASAP to get more people to, uh, you know, to participate and, and help buy it? <laughs> So this NFT collection is related to the book I wrote on the history of Ethereum, The Infinite Machine. Um, I published that book with HarperCollins in July of 2020. And The Infinite Machine is the story of how Ethereum was founded. And the idea was to write something that read like a fiction novel. So like just like a, a fun narrative, interesting narrative to follow. And something that it was still 100% accurate and true to the facts, but that didn't read like a technical manual or didn't read like a history book. So that was kind of my, my goal with the book, something that was very approachable that for anyone who had never heard about crypto before, uh, who could just like pick up the book and understand what blockchain is, what Bitcoin is, what Ethereum is, and kind of the promise and the potential um, for these technologies to become a layer for a new, more open, more decentralized internet. So that's kind of the, the idea. Um, and then uh, the book uh, has done really well. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's, it, it was just like very well received uh, by the Ethereum community. Uh, like I've, I've been getting so many kind of nice feedback, good kind of reviews and everyone is sharing it. And it's, it's been amazing to see. I'm, I'm really proud and happy about uh, just how it, it was received. Last year, I was approached by a couple of uh, production studios who were interested in, in buying the rights of the book to, uh, to make a movie. And so that's super exciting. Uh, of course, I think, I don't know, it's kind of my dream to see this book in the screen. So um, one production company, was based in LA and then uh, the other one was based in Spain. The Spain-based one really seemed to be committed to making this movie happen. Um, they were very interested in, in crypto, kind of got it and wanted to make me an executive producer, uh, which means that I would have a say in how this book is, is shown on screen. So I went with them, their versus entertainment. Uh, they have produced and distributed dozens of dozens of films. They've been in the industry for many years. The most known, I think, is Buried with Ryan Reynolds. And they've done a couple of other movies with like big like Hollywood names. Like they, they did one with Robert De Niro. They did one with, with Sigourney Weaver. So that was important to me because I want this to be like 
big like as big as we can make it like a hollywood blockbuster i want this to be the social network of crypto so like the the mainstream movie about crypto so that's kind of our our goal uh, with infinite machine movie so it's not a documentary it's like a dramatized feature film with actors and and so on um and so because i'm an executive producer i had uh, i was involved in all the conversations uh, with you know about funding and so on i proposed to look at nfts for funding because this is a movie about ethereum so to me it just made sense to uh, fund it together with ethereum community um and with ethereum technology like with tokens so everyone was on board and we started kind of brainstorming how how to kind of structure this nft project and um and so the initial idea was okay let's try to fund as much of the movie as possible with nfts nfts should be a way for holders to have a participation in the movie so it i i think of them as like a backstage pass mm -hmm. so nfts have like different rewards like some of them will give you will give the holder the right to be an extra in the movie uh, others will uh, give you the right to appear in the credits, to go to the like to the premiere, um, to go to the shooting, and and so on. Those rewards haven't been uh, revealed yet, but th that was like always the, the initial plan. Like NFT holders should uh, use these NFTs. I mean, not just for like the art, which we always wanted it to to be beautiful and so on, but to have like some utility and some access to the movie itself. Um, and then it came the time to decide, okay, like who does the art? And, you know, at first we, we were thinking, okay, should we bring in like a big blue chip name uh, to, to design this stuff, the art for the NFTs? And then I thought we should really go to the kind of core of their project, with, which is the early days of Ethereum. And so I reached out to one of the people who was involved in the Ethereum logo, because I thought it, it'd be kind of cool to have the, the person who designed the Ethereum logo design the art for these NFTs. And Yanni um, is, was like a very early Ethereum community member and he was involved in the Ethereum logo, but he's now leading together with um, Gladys, his art professor. Uh, they're leading um, a, a community of Cuban artists to sell their works via nfts and so i thought like that project was was amazing they, they were like um empowering and enabling artists in cuba which is a, a, a country as you know it's like so blocked off from the world and with so little access to global markets to be able to reach uh global collectors and monetize their work um, and share their work on a global like scale so i thought that was beautiful and i said let's do the, like that let's involve uh, this cuban art uh, community and have them make the art for for this project um and then we decided to just in, uh, make it broader and include uh, artists from emerging countries globally so we uh, gladys who uh, like i mentioned she's an art professor based in havana cuba she was the curator and she she um uh, organized artists in cuba but also in argentina and venezuela and bolivia and chile in brazil uh, there's uh, artists also from uh, from Europe, from Africa, um, from India. So it's like very like a very diverse uh, 
uh, global project uh, with all these talented artists uh, participating and they all made versions of the Ethereum logo. And then those uh, logos will kind of are, are algorithmically combined so that you have like the original artworks, but you also have like combined artworks. And that makes uh, a collection of 10,499 um, NFTs. And that number, by the way, is a nod to the EAP 1559 okay. blog. That's why that, that number. Um, and and yeah, and, and like I said, like once the entire collection is sold, the the like movie rewards will be revealed and holders will know, oh, like that does my NFT let me be an extra in the movie and so on. The last piece that I'll mention is that most of the funds raised uh, go to funding the movie but 22% goes to funding the artist in perpetuity of all primary and second, secondary sales. And also 10% uh, of uh, sales until the movie budget is covered go to a, a community treasury because the idea is that uh, these NFT holders will also uh, be members of a DAO. And the DAO is an executive producer of the film. So it's not just like this backstage pass, but it's actual a real kind of say in in how the movie uh, gets made so, so am i part yeah. of that DAO now yeah if, oh. if you're an nft holder you're part of the DAO. yeah <laughs> you should you should kind of join the discord and and that's yeah. kind of where all the discussion happens but yeah i'm really kind of proud and um and, and excited about this project amazing and uh, what i would love to do is to try and get more people to buy those nfts and um you know and support it so i'll definitely be mentioning it to everybody in our network and you were on on one of our calls the other day so more people will listen to this and i think it's an amazing way of um you know i'm a filmmaker i don't know if you know but i'm originally, i didn't know that yeah, I, wow so i've got a uh multi-award winning documentary uh, called The Millennial Disruption. And it's about how millennials are um, changing. You know, that was, I made it in 2017 and then it was released in 2018 and then went into film festivals and, and did really well. And it was, it's only half an hour. And Gary Vaynerchuk is in it actually. Uh, oh, I, went, cool. I went to uh, in New York and interviewed him for the documentary and it features people from The Economist, you know, um, Bentley, Jaguar Land Rover, you know, Steinway Pianos. And of course, I work with Steinway Pianos. Steinway is, is my biggest client uh, for my other company that I work with. So they're, you know, the most expensive pianos in the world. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, so uh, I come from that kind of, you know, film background. Uh, that's that's uh, originally, you know, where I came from. And then started, you know, a marketing agency. And then from there, I went on to uh, build Fempeak. So as somebody who comes from that, the film industry, I feel, or at least the TV and film industry, you know, I feel like there's so many opportunities to essentially disrupt the way that it has been um, monopolized for a very long time and mm. uh, give uh, new artists and, and, you know, people who are um, talented, but they don't maybe get the kind of backing and support so i see it as a very beautiful way to raise money to mm. um you know to be able to build create projects like this um so uh, yeah i'm really supportive of it and i think it's, it's super uh, important and, and interesting and i think it will also set um a precedence and set set the a model for other people to learn mm. to say okay these are some of the ways that i can I can uh, build this and, it, and, it, and you know, you build that uh, whole um, 
idea of the access to the backstage and the early uh, re release and all those things that that makes people feel like they're a part of the project it's, it's so powerful i think it's so powerful. yeah and it's, and it's something that i think especially important for women as you know fempeak is all mm -hmm. about getting more women into uh into technology into uh finance and especially, I feel like there's an opportunity to close the gender wealth gap, you know, with uh, the crypto industry. And, and uh, it's something that, you know, I think women can really benefit from. There are so many female artists, you know, that would uh, struggle maybe uh, to raise, especially in the film industry. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, how hard it is for female-led um, uh, oh, I didn't know that. directors yeah so female-led directors and female-led producers they have a very hard time raising investment raising money because, you know if you think about the uh, history of the academy awards there's in 120 years or so there's only ever been been one female director that has won only one female director. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. And and there is a lot of research that shows in in general in film and TV, women are only mentioned uh, around twenty percent. They get only twenty percent of the dialogue, and most of the time it's a supportive, uh, you know, role. So they don't really get you know like the main role mm. most of the time. I think NFTs are give us an opportunity potentially to change that culture. Yeah, that's a great uh, point. And why do you think? women find it harder to <clears throat> to raise funds in 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 the film industry and we also see it in any industry right in, in the startup world and in finance um women take a very small share of, of venture capital but wh why do, do you see it why? happen in the yeah. film industry and also i'd love to hear kind of your experience with that yeah so okay so basically um I went through a very difficult breakup in 2015, so 2019. So I was I was in a relationship for, for five years. And my my partner at the time was extremely successful. But when it came to me gaining the similar kind of, you know, starting to build a business and, and uh, gain success, uh, we found it very difficult because it seemed that even though I had chosen not to have children and, you know, I was like, okay, um, so he does have children and I'm able to, Go and focus on these areas. It was it was actually very difficult to make it work. So I found that the family and relationship is one of the difficult, one of the most uh, difficult mm. reasons why women find it hard to to succeed um, uh, to the, the highest levels. And then uh, I started a think tank after my break. I was like, okay, I need to find out why why women are are being left behind, you know. And at the same time, I was writing a book about the future of work. The book is called Career Fear and How to Beat It. And it was about how technology is changing uh, the future of work. And uh, that was after I made my documentary as well. So I had a lot of momentum. So I started a think tank for women in business and technology uh, in uh, August 2020. And through the think tank, I put together some really big conferences, you know, hundreds of people, um, really big names from big corporations, you know, Microsoft, Google, uh, you know, we had people from, you know, managing director of Marie Claire magazine, you know, you know all mm. sorts of places. And we put our heads together and we tried to understand why women were being left behind and we interviewed hundreds of women. And it's uh, entrepreneurship skills, 
and uh, financial literacy and uh, family and relationship support, which I mentioned, uh, and women's health issues. So women go mm-hmm. have children, don't come back, you know, uh, struggle to, to, uh, to, you know, they fall behind and technology is moving really fast. So, so if you're out of that space, you know, for a few months, you know, uh, or a year, you've, you've missed out on so much and it's quite hard to kind of catch up. And at the same time, if you think of, you know, in terms of financial literacy, you know, when I was growing up in Iran, many times you would see that, uh, you know, people were gathering, women were in the kitchen, you know, preparing the food and men were in the lounge, you know, talking about politics and, and uh, economy. So women I mean, were not Yeah, and it's, yeah. and it's the same mm-hmm. even here uh, in many mm-hmm. cases. Uh, you know, so even even now that I'm in the UK, I see that quite a lot sometimes. So like it's like women's world remained quite small. Like they were talking about how much salt to put in the food, whereas men are talking about, you know, politics and technology and, you know, like, you know, uh, where the world is going. So because of all those reasons, women have been left behind. They have fallen behind and it, it's going to take a long time. You know, you can see, for example, of even the sessions that we are putting on 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 Peak, you know, it's quite hard to get women to start listening to and think about macroeconomy, for example, right, macroeconomics. It's it's a lot harder to get them to think about these things. They, they do feel really overwhelmed because they've been left behind for a long time. You know, it's kind of like helping them to change their mindset and start thinking about where the world is going, where, you know, what's the historical context behind some of the reasons and some of the things that we have developed. And, and also there's the fact that the, the terminology, you know, mm-hmm. the terminology that the lexicon that we use in, in a lot of these technologies and in finance has also kept women behind. You think of, you know, in crypto, we say crypto wallet. Women don't use wallets, they use purses, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, so, there, so like all of these, uh, and, and this was actually pointed out by one of our um, uh, podcast guests, and I thought that like such an important uh, observation, you know, so so we are, because it's kind of like a vicious cycle, the, the more you keep women um, outside of these, this system, the hard, harder it is to then incorporate them. So even now when I'm talking to companies about investing in, you know, whether it's in diversity and inclusion, whether it's like however that they want to bring women in, most of the time they only allow a small part of their budget to bringing more women into this space to, you know, there's only, like they only always see women as a niche, whereas it's like mm. women are mo- more than half of the population. So it's, so it's an absolute, you know, uh, no brainer that we need to invest in them, bring them more into this. Yeah. So in a nutshell, it comes down to those six reasons why women are left behind. And, um, and, the, and it then becomes a self-fulfilling prophe- prophecy. So women self-select out of these things. You know, they, they keep themselves out. So as they keep themselves out, less uh, company, fewer companies invest in them. Mm. And, and then they continue to be left behind. And I'm really worried about that because I feel like now we are going in a place where we are merging with technology and all of that technology is being designed by men. You see it in, in crypto as well. Maybe I think I'm hopeful that it's less so than in, uh, in fintech, traditional finance and, and in the traditional tech world. Um, I'm seeing more diversity in crypto, but it's still very much um, male dominated. And it's a real shame because I, I think that crypto more than any other space probably 
uh, is an opportunity for women uh, because it, it is an open by design space uh, where anyone can participate, where you can be an anonymous avatar online and start building a big, like the biggest DeFi protocol. And like, nobody cares if yeah. you're men or women in theory, right? Um, so I think like the, the, the possibilities and like the opportunities are there. And literally every crypto, every DeFi company is hiring right now. Like the space is growing so much. There's so much funding going into the space. You see these uh, venture capital funds um, raising billion dollar funds to invest in crypto. So it's like finance and like the money and funds is flowing into space. Every Like every company protocol DAP is growing. Everyone is hiring. Um, there's the, this opportunity to build without asking permission, uh, without having any sort of um, a certificate or license or degree you can just like go and and build directly so it's like so much opportunity um, and I think it's like it's so ripe for, for women to take advantage of this um, and like you like I, I would really want to encourage and empower more women to to be a part of this space it's like it's our time um, like why not like we we should take charge but I they're they're I agree that there's so many challenges. Um, it is like an education issue. It's a cultural issue. Like you said, it's it's an entire mindset that needs to change. It's like, it's like if you grow up um, feeling that you are, you should take a back seat to like financial decisions because that's kind of the, the, the men's uh, role in, in the house. And it's like, even if, if we're like very progressive and we, we live in this kind of new world uh, where, you know, diversity is encouraged and, and women can and do, um, do everything, but it's still kind of hard to shake that sort of upbringing. Like I see it in, in myself as well. Like, and, and like, I have nothing negative to say about my parents. Like they, they were very encouraging me. They, they, um, they always told me I could do whatever I wanted and all that stuff, but you still see this kind of like family dynamics where it's like, okay, the men talk about business and the women talk about like, whatever, social life, like your family. Yeah. They go to the kitchen and prepare food. They serve the men. And I mean, that's kind of like the way it is. So it's it's very hard to change. Um, and I think beyond like the cu cultural and like educational uh, side of things, I think like a very um, structural issue is like you said, the family uh, and kind of baby making side of things. Because, okay, so like there's on one hand, like, yes, like women like biologically have to carry literally the weight of having a baby. Um, and at, at the start of the baby's life, like they depend on, on the mother. Um, and it takes a lot of time and a, a lot of energy out of women to raise uh, uh, children. Um, and I think that there's like a policy aspect here too, because in most countries and in, in most workplaces, um, women, are expected uh, to take all of the all of the weight, like all of the responsibility. So, women have um, pre and post uh, birth leaves of like months, but men don't. Men maybe get two weeks, uh, 
in the US, like it's it's not even by law that anyone gets anything. It's like depends on the company. Um, so if if by law you're putting all of the responsibility on women, it's like okay, like women, like you take two months off, but your husband only gets two weeks. So it's like obviously, like you're you're forcing women to be out of the workplace for longer, while men can advance. So I, th I think that's a key issue, like a key policy issue. Um, I, I think both men and women should be expected to take the, an equal share of, of uh, childbearing. Because why not? I mean, they're both parents and you're putting women at such an unfair disadvantage. That's right. But at the same time, there are many women who prefer to have that, uh, you know, it is, it is sure. also, yeah, you yeah. know, a, um, a decision that a lot of people would make because, you know, at the end of the day, you also have to physically recover, you know, it's, it's very difficult, you know, to go through that. And um, that's definitely, you're right. And that there's a policy aspect here that can be looked at, but as somebody who is, naturally a uh, a defiant <laughs> you, mm -hmm. know, you know as somebody who is naturally um uh an anarchist I, i'm not i never have so much hope for government solve problems you oh know, no yeah know, no always, neither, neither you know, do like, i we need to do our own like <laughs> yeah, we need yeah. to figure things out by ourselves right and um one of, I guess one of the things is like I chose not to have children I, I don't know mm. if you have children do you um I, uh, not yet but I I would want to at some point okay like yeah. I don't I don't I decide not to have children you know mm. because I, I just think that it's impossible I can't do it it's too mm. much like I, I can't have that kind of time off and you know like build everything I want to build so so that was like a, a conscious decision I made um, I think it's it's very very hard, uh, but yeah. uh, if you if you know that that is something that you want, then you kind of build your lifestyle around it, and so that you can still be very successful and and have a, an impact. But the amount of times that I have asked somebody, "Do you have a crypto wallet?" and they're like, "I don't have one, but my boyfriend has one, or my oh yeah husband has one," like mm. yeah, but that's not you, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not the same as you having one, right? And and uh, you just need to sort of get comfortable with it. Um, okay, so, so this is all very interesting. So one thing that I have noticed though, is that if there was one uh, key to getting more women into this space is NFTs. I'm finding mm -hmm. that they are very interested in NFTs. There are many women who are even telling me that they're interested in NFTs, but they're not interested in crypto. And, and they're only having to learn about crypto because of NFTs. Mm -hmm. And I think that as NFTs become more and more of a cultural phenomenon, you know, they, uh, more, more women are going to want to have a piece of that and, and uh, understand that. And, and I think there is definitely an opportunity to do something around that and, and bring more women into it. Do you see a world, I know this is almost like, I know the answer is um, no, and, and, but I wonder, <laughs> like, is there, is, do you see a world where it could be possible to make NFTs, I don't want to say make NFTs without crypto, because it just, NFTs are a form of crypto, <laughs> you know, but, but I, is there a way to make NFTs so accessible that, um, that women, you know, just feel comfortable, like, uh, if, if, if women were going to create that uh, technology, would they have made it in a much more accessible, simple, easier way to 
Um, mm -hmm. You know, I wonder um, if the fact that it was designed, the whole thing is designed by men. By design, it, it's not very female friendly. I'm not sure if, if it's about being female friendly specifically. I just don't think it's it's very friendly in general. You know, I, I think most people find crypto intimidating and, and hard to use. Like, you know, even, even OpenSea, um, it's hard. Like, like you, you tried to buy the Infinite Machine NFT on, on your show the other day, and you had trouble because you had wrapped ETH, and the, the the collection only takes ETH, and you had to unwrap and like all that stuff. It it's um it's, it's not crazy. very and I don't yeah. see like now I don't see my wrapped ETH in my MetaMask. I only see it when I'm in uh, OpenSea. So if I yeah, wanted like, to use that wrapped ETH to buy. Uh, something with it on let's say looks rare i can't do it i it only shows on my and and i can't see they you know i i try to unwrap it and uh, the tutorials say that you know you just uh, click on three dots and you will see unwrap and i click on three dots and i don't see unwrap <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I you probably have to like import the wrap ETH to to your metamask so it shows and whatever but it's yeah, you know all it's these steps so complicated right yeah yeah, yeah. so it, i i don't think it's it's only unfriendly to women i think it's unfriendly to everyone and i think i'm not sure if this was if this had been designed by by women um from the start if it would be friendlier i i don't know there's there's no way to say and um for those listening you know it's like people kind of have especially in crypto have this kind of combative attitude to these statements because they're like you know like the space is open and and everyone can yeah that's true but the fact is that crypto was built by by men like <clears throat> I, i'd say 80 percent maybe of crypto was built by men and, and that's probably like generous you know like i see it like i talk to all the founders uh, I, i i go to all the hackathons it's 90% men and that's a fact and it's it's a very sad fact but that's how it is so uh crypto was designed mostly by men um and i think it's it's very hard to say whether uh if women were involved it would be friendlier um i think i think maybe um but I think in the end the the reason why it's it's not friendly yet is because we're we're very early and um crypto is being built kind of from the very infrastructure layer up so i think you know like the infrastructure layer is like this layer that's kind of at the bare bones of the blockchain and that's kind of something that only very technical people can access and so at the early days of ethereum there were no like consumer facing applications and everyone was interacting with smart contracts directly and wallets and decentralized exchanges were impossible for a lay person to use um and then you know things progressed and from that like infrastructure layer now we have this protocol layer so now like all these um applications are being built on ethereum and other smart contract platforms and and some in bitcoin um but we we haven't mastered kind of the application layer yet so mm -hmm. it's like we're at the protocol layer and there are some like consumer facing applications being built but all the consumer like user Uh, experience and interfaces and like all those frictions haven't been resolved yet 
because yeah. we we are just like at that uh, point um and it, it's like we're not so far out into the evolution of crypto to have figured those things out um i'm like encouraged uh, to see um that there are solutions out there like there are things called uh, meta transactions which <clears throat> means that um, the user doesn't pay for gas, but the application pays for gas. So, for example, like um, think of like OpenSea paying for for your gas to buy NFTs, and so you you don't have to have ETH in in your wallet or like to use Uniswap. Like Uniswap would pay for your fee and 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 so on. So that would be like um, a huge change. Uh, so something that that allows you that would allow you to. Um, just use uh, your like debit card or your credit card directly and that would convert to crypto and, and we are seeing kind of on ramps uh, like that with with Dharma and, and other wallet to use like um, Apple Pay to buy crypto directly. So it's like, okay, like I see kind of there's light at the end of the tunnel like they're like these solutions are here. Yeah, um, but they haven't been implemented very well, or or they're, they're not very widespread yet, or there's like technological issues with scaling that they make make them very expensive. Um, but at the same time, there's like a lot of people working on scaling technologies in parallel. So it's like all these, you know, technologies and improvements are being worked on in parallel. And I think that in with time, like they will all converge to make uh, crypto more more usable. And, and of course, like that will also include NFTs. Um, so I think, you know, everyone here uh, listening and, and using DeFi and buying NFTs are, are super early. Um, but I think we will get kind of a new wave of users as, um, as all of this uh, becomes easier to use, hopefully. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. I think I think that's a good place to uh, bring the conversation to an end because hopefully we will end on a you know high and people <laughs> will will start to get more excited about everything because I think it's a super exciting space and it's the future. It's absolutely the yeah. future, right? Yeah, I agree. This was such a refreshing conversation. I love seeing so many amazing women in this space and do what I can to support them. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, or any other one of your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to give it a five-star rating and write a review. Finally, if you're not yet a member of Fempeak, head over to fempeak.ai, register, and join to stay in the know and ahead of the curve.